everyone. Welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number one. Thank you so much, first of all, to Elaine for suggesting the name. I'm starting to run out of creative names and Festive Fear just made so much sense. I love it. Secondly, if you can hear some wind and some rain in the background, it's because we're in the middle of a giant storm and I just, I can't control the weather. Can control lots of things, can't control the weather. I have six spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from January the 14th, 2021. And story number one comes from Karen. I'm the eldest grandchild in my large Glasgow Irish family. And as with most families like mine, there was always a ghost story or supernatural tale to be told. As we know, most Scots and Irish share a good knowledge and understanding of the supernatural. Everyone knows someone who had had a supernatural experience of one sort or another. My nana Healy used to let me watch those creaky old Hammer House of Horror movies unbeknownst to my mum, who would have watched them herself, but would not have allowed me or my siblings to watch them. My story takes place when my grandparents were in their 70s, and they lived in the ground floor in a block cottage flat. My mum was the eldest of my nana and papa's seven children, and we stayed in the larger flat above them, which meant we saw them all the time, which was great as I absolutely adored them both. My papa Thomas was a hard-working blacksmith and father to seven, three boys and four girls. When they were young and causing a ruckus, my exasperated nana would send my papa to administer punishment, particularly to the boys, who were always up to something. This was back in the day when smacking your children was seen as normal and acceptable as a form of punishment. Such was the measure of the man that he could never bring himself to smack or punish any of his children, so he hit upon the idea of taking his belt off and hitting the boys' bed to make the relevant whacking noises. The boys would then yelp and howl in compliance with the punishment my nana thought they were getting. This plan worked well, until one time my nana thought the noise had gone on far too long and Papa was being too hard on the boys, so she went to intervene. He was rumbled, big time. The other thing about my Papa was that he did not have any interest in ghost stories or supernatural stuff. And he was worried at my fascination, and he said that one day I was going to see Old Nick. It was the morning of November the 22nd, and I was sound asleep and I woke suddenly to see my Papa Thomas standing at the side of my bed. I was acutely aware that he radiated a feeling of utter peace and pure love. He was smiling and kind of glowing and very happy looking, and he said to me, That's me away now, me wee dove. Wee dove was his pet name for me. I remember just smiling back and turning to my side and looking at my alarm clock, which said 6am. I took a mental note that I still had another hour or so before I needed to get up, so I just drifted back into a very peaceful sleep. Inexplicably, at no time did I think, why is Papa in my room, and where is he going? The next thing I was aware of was the house phone ringing in the hall, and when I answered it to hear my Nana screaming down the phone that she couldn't wake Papa up. Sure enough, the sainted man had just slipped away with himself in his sleep. My mum rushed downstairs to be with my nana and I started calling the aunties and uncles with the dreadful news, plus of course the priest and a doctor. I believe my papa appearing to me at this time of death is called a crisis apparition. 
The really strange thing is that because I saw him, I knew that somehow he was not altogether gone, and I got great comfort from that and felt hugely guilty that I didn't suffer the enormous grief that the rest of our family felt at this adored man's passing. I've since been told that my papa is still with me as kind of a spiritual gatekeeper. I'm quite sensitive and I've had numerous spooky experiences, so much so that I undertook psychic development courses to help me to understand and protect myself. I've seen, heard and felt spirits and I'm very happy that my Papa Thomas is still protecting me. Firstly, Papa Thomas sounds like an amazing man. What a gentleman. And I love that he pretended to be whipping the boys with a belt, hitting the bed. I love that they were all in on it as well. Like the boys screaming and yowling, being like, oh no, stop it, whatever. That hurts. I just, just, how sweet is that? Crisis apparitions are such a universal phenomenon and they often happen when people die suddenly so with an illness or if somebody is in hospital for a long period of time or a family is anticipating a death you can you can understand a crisis apparition as being the brain's way of dealing with the fact that that person is going to die and maybe it's coincidental that it happens around the same time that somebody dies but when somebody dies suddenly and there's a crisis apparition i think that is amazing It's amazing and there's so many stories out there of people who have experienced similar things, whether it's somebody who's died in an accident or a younger person who's died suddenly, whatever it was. And they always seem to come, crisis apparitions always seem to come with a feeling of like peace, a sense of calm, which makes me feel like, oh, maybe, maybe dying, maybe death isn't this traumatic thing. The actual, I don't mean the way in which you die, but I mean the actual experience of death itself. Who knows? And story number two comes from Curtis. The story I'm about to tell you was one of the many crazy things that I've experienced in my life, but it was definitely one of my most notable moments. As a kid, I knew I could see and feel things most people can't or refuse to recognise. And until this day, I know it follows me. This happened when I was 17 back in 2012. I had gone to my friend's house, and there was a good amount of us there. This house never gave me a weird feeling until after this night. We were all being silly and stupid, playing video games, joking with each other, and then out of nowhere, someone, as a joke, brought up the idea of playing the Ouija board. Instantly, in my head, I knew this wasn't a good idea. We didn't have one, and I was happy, until someone suggested that we should make one. I felt a feeling of pure dread, I had to deal with these things my whole life, so I really didn't feel like having them around me. My friends set about making one, while one of my other friends went around turning everything off, so that the house had no sense of life, just empty, no air, no light, nothing. They also set candles in a circle around the board. I wasn't going to have anything to do with this, so I sat aside along with a good amount of us for the same reason of not wanting to stir shit up. Only three of my friends actually started playing. Nothing happened the first few minutes, while these guys started asking questions. So they stopped making jokes that it wasn't working and it wasn't real, and they started doing it again. And as they did, the environment changed completely. The air got thick, and a gust of wind came out of nowhere. The candles started flickering and my senses told me that no good was going to come of this, 
so I was just going to make my way somewhere that I deemed safe, which to me was anywhere in the house but there. So I slowly got up and started walking around the staircase to go to the living room. And this is where it gets really crazy. When I turned the corner, I could see a black mass of inhuman shape blocking my friend's bedroom door. So I turned around and went back and sat my happy ass down, wanting nothing to do with that either. As I sat there, I could see the candles flickering again, and my friends started feeling weird, so they stopped the whole thing. As they stopped, everyone started to feel something was there with us. I knew there was something there with us. And as everyone was talking, everyone, including me, saw the shot glass they used as a planchette fly around the board and then off. People started getting up and freaking out. So everyone started turning everything back on, thinking that would make a difference, which it did not. As we were thinking about how to get rid of what they had just brought in, As they were binding the board, one of my friends started acting weird and ended up running out of the house. He was gone for two hours. We ended up finding him, but he wasn't normal. He was saying over and over again, I'm first, you're next, I'm coming for the rest. I'm first, you're next, I'm coming for the rest. When we got him home, he passed out. And a few minutes later, he got up like nothing happened and started playing video games. We all looked at him like he was crazy. He said then, and still now, that he doesn't remember anything after the board and ever since then that house felt different. Even his longest friend of six or seven years at the time never stayed there again. I feel like it's necessary to continue the tradition of the PSA and that is to say that um, no good can come and play on the Ouija board. They are not good for you. They're not good for your soul. They're not good for the energy in a house. They're not good for your friends. They're not good for your future prospects. Just don't do it. Just don't do it, people. It's not a good idea. Somebody ends up getting possessed, running away, getting lost for two hours and then forgetting it like it never happened to them. But everybody else remembers it. Everybody else is traumatized. Just don't do it. And story number three comes from Steffi. I'm sharing with you the recounts of my 82-year-old mother who lives alone in a generously sized bungalow. Before now, I could not ever recall a single conversation about unexplained activity, ghosts or the paranormal. Nor could I remember if she expressed a belief in such things. But lately she has shared encounters that have left me feeling a little unnerved to say the least. She calls them her guests and claims to experience no fear that these events occur. Almost the opposite is true. She's so lonely since my dad died of Alzheimer's a few years ago that she almost welcomes their company, fleeting and ungraspable as it is. She started by saying that she has been having visitors. At first, I was pleased as I took it to mean that she had made some new friends. This heartening feeling that my lonely mother had summoned enough motivation to get out somewhere was short-lived as she quickly went on to explain what she was actually referring to. They sit next to me of an evening, she casually announced, directing her eyes to the space on the three-seater between her and me. I was sitting one seat away, out of a new habit instilled by the coronavirus. I can sense they are there, and all the time I don't directly look at them. They stay, and I can feel the sofa slope a little away from me with their weight. I can even make out the kind of clothes they're wearing, old-fashioned tweed, 
dog-tooth jackets with dark brown trousers and shoes and sometimes I see that they have flat-peaked caps on. All the while she was speaking I was staring at her, stunned by this new revelation. You mean like a ghost mum? I asked. Well, they seem so solid until I try to get a better look. I see them from the corner of my eye, and as quick as I turn my head, they up and walk away through the door. I asked her if it scared her, because I was more than a little concerned. Oh no, it's a great comfort and company of an evening. I just wish they would stay. I feel sad when they go, and wish I hadn't tried to look so hard. I felt a sort of relief at her reaction, even if I was still slightly chilled at the idea. I asked her if she had ever spoken to them and asked them if they could stay. No, I'm sure it's a trick of the mind, really, but it feels so real when it happens. Then there's the back door that opens and closes. The bell on the door jingles on and off throughout the evening. I always call out hello in case it's one of you, but nobody ever answers. I must add here that there is no through draft that could be doing this, and anyway... The latch on the door holds it firmly shut, without a need for extra concerted click. I said nothing and I just listened, and Mum continued after a short pause. Then there is the humming. When I hear it, I turn the telly down to ensure that it's not background sound. That serves to make it clearer. Someone is humming a song from a room at the front of the house. My bedroom, I think. It's very clear and it goes on for hours. I asked her if she could make out the tune. Oh yes, they are humming I was born under a wandering star, in a deep tone, a man's tone. She assured me it was not from next door, as she never heard anything from there, not even the television. Another old lady lives there all by herself. Now I'm sure that my dad used to hum or even whistle that very tune sometimes, so this had me wondering could it be my dad's spirit. He had spent his last few months unable to do anything for himself, Any part of the dad that I'd known all my life was trapped inside the decaying prison of a dementia-ravaged body. He could barely even communicate towards the end, all helpless in the front room. He had passed away peacefully in the house about a year before the activity started with mum. So I said to her that maybe it's dad. Maybe dad is looking out for her. She said the humming goes on and on and in the end she turns the TV back up to drown it out. Maybe it is dad or maybe it's just the imagination of a lonely old lady who tells me the house is too lonely now dad is gone. If it is dad visiting from the spirit world, part of me wishes he could be less illusory about it all as it might be more of a comfort to mum and a little less creepy. I wonder if his repertoire of activities would expand to intrigue me further. We shall see. Well now I'm intrigued. I want to know what else he's able to do. I think at that stage in your life, I think whether it's her mind creating sounds or creating kind of people out of the corner of her eye to keep her company, then why not? But I mean, the thing is, she even said herself, I don't know, maybe it's my imagination. So I don't know. I just feel, I feel like how lovely it is that he would be able to come back and check in on her whether it's humming a tune in the in, in another room in the house or coming in and opening the door. I like to think that it is her coming back to him coming back to check on her. And I think if it doesn't frighten her, then it's just lovely. And maybe it's not just him, maybe there's other people from her life, other people from times gone by that are dropping in to check on her. And now that she's 
alone in the house. She's more aware of these things that are happening. And story number four comes from Hannah. I live in Richmond, Virginia. In 2005, I was a cute little punk rocker college student with no money, driving a piece of shit Oldsmobile. The car was having some kind of issue that I had no money to fix, but my girlfriend knew some good old boy types that we could take it to who would fix it in exchange for us flirting with them and drinking their beer. That was about what I had the budget for. Plus, I didn't mind hanging around with these country-ass dudes. They seemed harmless and I took comfort in that type of person. So we drove out there, about 30 minutes west of the city, towards Charlottesville. It was a whole lot of nothing and farmland out there in those days, but it wasn't far off the highway. We spent way too long listening to these guys try to impress us novel-looking city girls and they managed some patch-up job on my car. So around sunset, we got in the car to head home. As I hit on a ramp to the highway, my car stalled out. And I pulled over, calling the mechanic to come and fix it. I was kind of annoyed we had spent so long out there and the car still wasn't functional, but grateful we weren't far from the shop. He came out in no time in his big-ass truck and his headlights shining under the hood of my car so he could work. It was dusk and the only thing around us was farmland on either side of the highway. I was standing there with my friend waiting for him to figure out the problem and in the shine of the truck's headlights I saw a man. He wore overalls and a plaid shirt. He was in his fifties, white hair, round belly and his brow was furrowed in a curious way that said he was checking to see if all was well here or how he could be of assistance. But he was see-through. And I knew immediately without a shadow of a doubt that he was a ghost. I blinked hard and he was gone. Later I would describe him to have a subtle glow like the negative of a photo. I was stunned. I turned to my friend wild-eyed and she clearly had no idea what I had seen. I clammed up remembering that she scares really easily and it would be best just to keep this experience to myself. Soon enough though, the car got started again. As I was still shook from the realisation that ghosts are real, I was pretty silent. Eventually, a couple of miles down the road, I could no longer help myself and I blurted out, I just saw a ghost. Some things that stood out to me make it clear that it wasn't my imagination. It wasn't what I imagined a ghost would look like. He looked just like a regular person. I couldn't tell the era of his clothes because overalls and a plaid could really have been anything from the 1930s to modern day, right? And most of all, I didn't in any way believe that ghosts could interact with our world. If anything, I thought they were just stamps of residual energy overlapping onto our plane of existence. Since then, I've seen a few more apparitions and they've all been slightly different. This first encounter really sparked my interest in hearing other people's real experiences and it seems that nearly everybody has some story to tell. That's always the thing with ghost stories is that even people who don't believe they will have some story to tell of somebody in their life or even themselves that have experienced something and it always happens with when I meet people in real life and I say to them, oh, I do a podcast about real life ghost stories and they'll either go, oh, I don't believe in ghosts. But this really weird thing happened to me and then they'll go on to explain some really frightening ghost story. So we all have a story to tell, definitely. And I wonder if the, I mean, I'm assuming this ghost was the ghost of a mechanic because of the overalls. But I wonder, was it attached to the man that came out to fix your car? 
if it was somebody belonging to him, maybe a colleague or a family member that also worked in the same trade. It would be amazing to uh, to find that man now and say, hey, around this time, did anybody you know pass away or did you have anybody in your life that passed away? And story number five comes from Jess. I found out I was pregnant with my son in December 2019. The pandemic was stressful and upsetting for everyone, of course. And when you add being pregnant into that mix, it just added a whole lot more stress. This was my first child, and I was nervous, needless to say. But while I was pregnant, I very often saw repeating numbers. Now, I know sceptics will say it was just me looking for patterns, but I swear to you, I was never looking for them on purpose. The numbers that I saw all the time were ones and fours, constantly. Every time I checked the time, there was a one or a four in the time, and more often than not, it was 111 or 441 or 1114, things like that. But it wasn't just times. I would glance at the washing machine to see how much time was left, and it would be 14 minutes. I would pause the show on Netflix at the 4111 mark, just constantly seeing those two numbers. I happened to come across something on Instagram one day that was talking about repeating numbers and what it meant to see different numbers a lot. To see one was a reminder from the universe to be present in the moment, and to see a four was to listen to what someone was saying to you. I often saw these numbers in times when I was anxious, so I always took it as a sign from the universe or someone looking out for me to stop worrying and that things would be okay. My due date for my son was August the 11th and I ended up having him on August the 14th. All went extremely well and everyone was healthy so I really think someone or something was looking out for me. The next part of my story and I'm not sure if it's related to the numbers or not. It happened when we had been home for a few days with my son. Towards the end of my pregnancy there had been a few times where I felt like someone or something was sitting on the edge of my bed. I never felt scared. I always told myself it was whatever had been showing me the numbers and it was looking out for me. So fast forward to us being home for a few days with my son and I had a dream. I had just fallen back asleep at around 5am and in my dream I felt like someone was sitting on the edge of my bed again. I looked up and sitting there facing the bassinet and looking at my sleeping baby was my husband's grandmother. She looked at me and gave me a little smile and somehow, without saying any words, said, Don't worry, I'll watch him, you go back to sleep. And I did. I never had the pleasure of knowing her. She passed before I met my husband, but her presence felt very comforting to me. I'm not sure if it had been her showing me the numbers up until that point, but who knows. I haven't seen her since, but I take comfort in knowing that she's watching my son. Oh yes, take comfort in that. Take comfort for real. And if anything, like grandparents, parents who have passed on, like if they were ever going to come back, it would be to come back to look after or to keep an eye on on little ones, new little lives that have come into the world for definite. I've never experienced the repetition of numbers. I know that it's like some people have it all the time or some people have it before particular events or and there's lots of reasons as to why people think that it happens but I don't really know that much about it I don't know much about like what numbers represent or what they're meant to represent or why it happens or whether it's just something that you notice more frequently once you start to notice it if that makes sense 
I have no idea. It's, it's actually something that I probably should look into, really. And story number six comes from Lawrence. The house I grew up in was... Weird. Well, just the floor that my room was on. We had three cats and a dog, and they always refused to go upstairs, and would often sit at the bottom awkwardly, barking or hissing. In my first room, it had two storage rooms attached, one full of spiders, and the other hidden behind a fake wall full to the brim with random stuff, sleeping bags, decorations, wiring, leads, etc. So to get in there, you would have to pull things out, and I would constantly hear scratching against the wall, and children giggling. It was a semi-detached house in the middle of the countryside, and this room was on the other side of the house. My brother and sister would never stay in that room when it was dark. And this was when the giggling and scratching would start. But whenever anyone would look in and turn the light on, it would stop. Things got worse when I moved to another room after my brother moved out. It started when I would feel spiders on my body, even biting me and leaving marks, even though there were no spiders on me. This would happen randomly during the day but always in one corner of my room where my bed was. My bed was high off the ground. You couldn't see the ground when you were in it, and it was against the wall. There was a small gap so I could plug my phone charger into the socket. The bed was a solid base, like a box base, and it was literally impossible to get under or behind my bed. It started to get worse the longer I stayed in that room. I would feel myself getting poked, and grabbed from the slither of space between the wall and the bed. Nothing malicious, but it would happen randomly, but only at night when I was in bed watching TV or gaming. It progressed into scratching to the point that it would leave marks on my body and handprints. The worst part of this room was the man. As I said before, you couldn't see the floor from my bed when you were laid down. This man unfolded himself from the floor a few inches off the edge of my bed and would just stare at me, whispering my name, as if he stood right beside me. He wouldn't do anything, just stand there. He was a skeleton of a man, with tight skin like a drum but no face. A little girl liked to skulk around downstairs at night too. She wore a pure white summer dress and had pigtails. She looked around seven or eight years old, but had pure black hollow eyes and a twisted toothy smile. My parents would leave their bedroom door open slightly, and this demon would peer around the door and stare at me whenever I came downstairs during the night. It felt like an eternity, but it would be only a few seconds before she would turn around and skip into the darkness behind her, whistling. My mum would complain about these dreams about the same girl most nights, just creepily watching her and whistling as she skipped around. We moved due to my parents splitting up and my mum marrying somebody else. I now work on the other side of my village, maybe a mile away, so about a ten minute walk. Where I work is haunted by a little girl. It used to be a house that burnt down and was converted into a pub. She wouldn't do anything, just be a child and watch you from the corner of your eye, or push over towers of chairs and kick buckets in the function room. Whistling just adds that extra layer of creep factor. What is it about whistling or singing or humming or anything like that when it comes from something that feels scary, it makes it a million times scarier. 
And it's such an innocuous sound in real life. And we've already had an example in the previous story about how humming can be really comforting and lovely. But then humming and whistling in the wrong hands? That's a powerful scare tool right there. Thank you so much to Karen, Curtis, Steffi, Hannah, Jess and Lawrence for your stories. And remember, the last story was from January the 14th, 2021. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. If you would like to check out our website, you can do so by logging on to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. Bye.